Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk to people doing things with cookbooks and cooking. And sometimes we just talk about funny stuff too, but I'm here today with Deborah Arbit. And I was introduced to you by a friend of ours, Allie. And she was like, you have got to hear my friend Deborah's story. She's doing something really cool. So go ahead and explain what you're doing, Deborah, for the listeners, because it is pretty fun. Okay. Well, I always tell people I have a very strange and weird hobby. And that is that I like to cook my way through cookbooks cover to cover. I don't skip a single recipe. Um, And yeah, I've been doing it for a handful of years, but like so many people whose hobbies maybe were a little bit laying dormant, but picked up during COVID time. So I've sort of taken it to a new level during COVID time. So often people, when I tell them this, the first thing they say is, so it's like Julie and Julia, the yeah, movie Julie exactly. and Julia. And I'm like, it's like that, except not so much French cooking and much more normal day-to-day cooking for a family of five um, little kids and just kind of normal cooking. So Okay, so you have five little kids. What ages? No, three, three little kids. Oh, okay. Plus one husband, plus me. So five in the family. Yeah, no, not five little kids. I don't know if I could keep this hobby if I had five. Three is oh. enough for me. How old are your kids? My kids are eight, seven, and five. Okay. So when did you start doing this? So the very first time we decided to cook our way through a cookbook is I got, we got an engagement present actually. So this is 12 years ago now. And we got the Martha Stewart cookbook, Great Food Fast, which is really a great cookbook. And sadly it is out of print. If you wanted to get it, you'd have to get it from eBay or something like that. Um, But anyway, it's a great cookbook. It had 250 recipes and we decided to make it our goal to finish all 250 recipes by our five-year anniversary. Because at this time we really didn't cook much. We mostly went out to restaurants, did takeout, did real basic stuff. But um, uh, we set it a goal and we completed the goal. Well, a a few years before our five-year anniversary. And as we started talking to people about it, um, we kind of got connected with people and we ended up being connected with someone who worked for Martha Stewart. And so she was able to get my tattered and torn cookbook in the hands of Martha after we finished it, who signed it and sent us a picture and all of this stuff. So that's, I think, what kind of launched the hobby that I was like, maybe there's other cookbooks I can finish. And so far, every cookbook I have finished, I have successfully been able to get signed by the author of the cookbook. And so I have them displayed and it's, it's really fun. That is so cool. So what other books have you cooked? Um, let's see here. I have completed minimalist kitchen, which is, um, by Melissa Coleman. She's a local, a local Minnesota, um, author who I just love two peas in their pod was a recent one I've did. I've done every recipe in both of the half-baked harvest cookbooks, both her original half-baked harvest and half-baked harvest, super simple, big Tegan fan. Um, I'm currently about 80% of my way through the defined dish. Oh, and then I've done, um, two of Jessica Merchant's books, both pretty dish and everyday dinners. So I think think that's it. There might be a couple others. I think I've completed eight, eight complete cookbooks and I've got about three or four underway at any given time. So, so that was my next question. Do you do it in like a sequential order or do you jump around between books? Good question. So I used to do one cookbook at a time. And I was like very meticulous about doing one cookbook at a time. But what I've discovered is that 
Some cookbooks are maybe a little bit too indulgent to eat every single day. And some cooks are maybe a little bit too healthy to eat every single day. Or some cookbooks don't have any desserts and some cooks have cookbooks have all desserts. And so I've learned that while some cookbooks I can do more kind of right in a row, others often require like a complimentary cookbook along with it. And so I'll usually have two or three, especially actually lately, um, We've been trying to eat a little bit more plant-based, a little bit more vegetarian, but we're not ready to make the dive to completely vegetarian. So um, I usually will have one that's more vegetarian forward and one that's not as much vegetarian forward. So yeah, that's usually how I do it. And then you're chronicling this on Instagram too, right? Yeah. So what happened was again, COVID the instigator for so many things, good and bad is that I, um, so another thing that's sort of started this hobby, I'll back up a little bit, was that several years ago, I made it a goal to host, this is all pre-COVID clearly, to host 40 Friday night dinners in my house with 40 different families with 40 new recipes I'd never made before in one year. So in a 52 week period. So that was a goal. I'm obviously a sucker for a goal. Clearly I'm a person <laughs> who likes a goal. And so I did that. Um, and it was so fun and so much fun to entertain. And I just learned to absolutely love everything about it. But of course, COVID put a halt to all of that. So I no longer had an outlet to cook for anyone except for my family who other than my husband, the other three don't appreciate so much. Um, so they mostly, you know, want what they would be the happiest that I made craft macaroni and cheese every night. So I was like, well, how can I kind of scratch the itch of wanting to cook for people without being able to cook for people? So turned to the magic of Instagram and started an Instagram called for the love of cookbooks. And on that Instagram, I post almost every night, a story of showing me cooking my way through a a recipe I've never made. They always have to be a new recipe every night. Um, And then, yeah. And then I'll post typically weekly, my Friday fave of the week before. So whichever was my favorite or the family's favorite from the week before I'll make that a post. So it's been really fun to, um, kind of cook for people without cooking for people. So yeah. And do you like, so your kids, do they eat what you cook? Like you're not making separate meals for them. Good question. This is a question. That's probably the number one question. <laughs> this is probably the most number common question that I get asked is do your kids eat all of this? So we have a couple rules in our house, which is we don't make a separate meal for kids unless it is really, really spicy. That is the one time that I will make an exception is if we make something really, really spicy, we'll make something for kids. Um, and I would say two of my kids eat great <laughs> because they eat almost everything we put on the table and one, not so much. Cause there's always one picky one. And so the rule in our house is that at any time you can always get any fruit and any piece of cheese to go along with the meal. And so he will often, you know, look, survey what I have made and go directly to the drawer to get a piece of fruit and a piece of cheese. And he'll usually eat a little of the carb or a little of the thing, but we don't try to make a big deal out of it. We mostly just want meal time to be a happy time and not a bite counting time. That's something we talk about a lot. We don't like to count bites. So um, for the most part, they do eat, two of them do eat what I make. One of them, just like every other, other household, classic kid who'd rather eat white carbs. I do love though. I love that idea. And I love your rule because I think it gives power to the kid 
which mm-hmm. a lot of times food becomes a power struggle for families and particularly at mealtime. So yes. it's giving your kid choices. It's still creating a lot of exposure to lots of different types of food. And it's not making a big deal out of it. It's just, this is how we eat in our family. And if you don't like what we're doing, here's your alternative and you just keep going. You don't make a big deal out of it. Yep. That's exactly it. We really don't talk too much about it at all. And I kind of early on in our parenting journey, we had this realization that we were like, you know, we've we've encountered a lot of grownups in our lives. We know a lot of people and really all of them eat food pretty normally for the most part, right? Like almost everyone figures it out and eats food as a grown-up normally. And then we said, but you know, in that same group of grownups that we know, um, not everyone is necessarily an awesome person. Maybe they're not so kind. Maybe they're not so giving. Maybe they're not these other things that we really hope our kids are. So we're like, let's focus our energy there. The food stuff will probably work itself out. (laughs) I'm like, from what we've seen, the food stuff will work itself out. But this other... um, you know, stuff may or may not. So, you know, let's try to raise nice people and the Boy, rest I love that. be fine. So, yeah. yeah, you sound like a really cool person. So what oh, was you your, too. oh, thanks. Yeah. I just, I, I only had one kid and I was, and if I'm being honest, I wasn't the best mom. Like I did my best and she's okay, but I obsessed over the wrong things. I was controlling over the wrong things. I'm still probably controlling. I finally, let go that she hadn't gotten her booster shot. And then of course that day she texted me, mom, I got my booster. Cause I've been just hectoring her every day. Um, what was your eating like in your house growing up that gave you this curiosity? What was your family like? That's a great question. I've not really thought about that. Um, so uh, first of all, my mom is the best. Um, and she's probably listening to this right now. And Um, I actually, on a side note, always want to figure out a way to incorporate her comments on my stories into my stories because they're always so, so funny. And I'm always the only one who gets to see them. So one thing about my mom is she eats like a kid. Um, if she could eat her ideal diet, it would look a lot like the middle child, the one I was talking about earlier. So I would say that she always had dinner made dinner was absolutely a family event. Um, and that is absolutely what I learned from her. So it wasn't about that. It was a fancy new recipe or that it was covered in, you know, cilantro or avocado or anything fancy. Um, but it was absolutely a priority that dinner happened and it was a time for our family to see each other and talk and do that. So that's definitely something I learned. And then also my mom, um, is so good at making people feel welcome in her home and hosting and she had the holidays and all of those things and again the food was never anything super super fancy but it didn't matter it was great it was traditional she kind of made the same things over and over like so many of us grew up with and um but i think the two things that i've carried with me are just the importance of mealtime not about food but the meal and the importance of just opening your home Yeah, because like I grew up, my house was always super messy. We had a lot of kids. And whenever anybody came to the house or it was a holiday, it it was like, you know, the five days prior of just completely beating the crap out of each other, trying to get it clean and ready and prepped. And then by the time the actual person came, we were so exhausted and crabby and couldn't stand each other. 
And I remember thinking like, this shouldn't be this way. Like by the time the person comes, it should be fun. So one thing I always did in my house, and I only had one child, but I just always kept it picked up so that whenever someone came over, you know, it wasn't always clean, but it was like, I never felt like someone would come to my house and not be able to have a seat and be comfortable. And, you know, I didn't obsess over that. And I think a lot of people really freak out about that their house has to be perfectly clean and everything scrubbed. And I just, I guess I really want people to just come into my home and enjoy being in my home. And I miss the entertaining aspects. From oh, I miss it so much. I mean, we're starting to do it a little tiny bit more here and there with certain families, but it's not with the reckless abandon that we used to, but I'm yeah. hoping one day that'll come back. I was going to add to what you said. I actually read an article like years ago that had a great impact on me about, um, when you apologize for the mess in your house, how uncomfortable it makes your guests feel. And so I force myself not to. And I'd say, I mean, we, we definitely live, we, we don't live in a, like a pigsty by any means, but there are times when there are Legos all over and sure. trains all over. We've got three little kids and we've got a full busy life. And I force myself that when we have people over that I do not apologize. Um, because I really think it puts people more at ease to not apologize because most of the people we're having over also have little kids also have Legos all about the floor. And, um, I find that when you come over to people's house and they start apologizing for usually what is a very clean house, it only makes you feel less comfortable about having them over to your house. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And, it's never what makes people feel good about coming over. They're never like, you know, what was great about that dinner party? What a clean house it was. Yeah. And so and is, I try not to think about that. This next question is going to be kind of be weird, but there's also like, cause I've entertained a lot and there are just people that entertain and they're good at it and it's fun and it's not always fancy. It could just be soup, but then there's also people that like never entertain and you never get invited to their house they're probably just not comfortable with it. Do you feel like, I don't want to say keeping score, but do you ever think like, wow, this person's been to my house 52 times and I've never been to their house? Good question. So um, I do think about that a lot, that one thing about my Instagram on, on For the Love of Cookbooks is that people look at it and often try to compare themselves to me all the time. They're like, how do you have so much time to cook? How do you cook a new recipe every night? How do you have all of these hosting things? And I try to tell them that what's interesting about having a hobby around food is that everyone has to deal with food, right? So if my hobby was knitting, no one would look at for the love of cookbooks and say, why don't I knit more? I really should knit more. <laughs> no yeah. one would say that, right? If you don't knit, you wouldn't even compare. But because everyone has to cook, it's easy to get into the comparison game. And what I try to tell people is I'm like, this is my hobby, just like anyone else's, right? And so I'm going to take more time doing it. I am going to be happy to host and not be hosted reciprocally, you know, is that a word every time, you know, in an even fashion, because if it was up to me, I'd host every time. Um, And I'm always happy to go to someone's house if they want to invite. But in this one case, and I am sort of, you can ask my husband, sort of a notorious scorekeeper (laughs) with things like garbage cleaning, you know, who (laughs) packed lunch, like all the things I don't like doing. I am like a a definitely can be a not nice scorekeeper in my own house. But with this, which is like truly my passion and my love, um, 
again, if I go back to knitting, it's not like if I was an avid knitter and I knit you a hat and I wouldn't be like, when was the last time you knit me a hat? (laughs) You know, like it's not something that other people have a passion for, but I absolutely do. And so I just categorize it so much more in the hobby category than in the feeding my family category um, that it just feels different to me. So so are I love I just am loving this conversation. Are do people give you cookbooks because they want like Yes. Okay. That is definitely a um, you know, occupational hazard of having this Instagram is that people love to give me cookbooks, which is which is wonderful. And also kind of the sad part about the way that I cook through cookbooks is it's a big commitment to choose a cookbook because even the I'd say the smallest cookbooks usually have about 100 recipes. Um, and that's a lot, right? To cook 100 different recipes from a book is usually a few months of project, you know, for me. And so there are certain cookbooks that just are more suited to that than others. Some cookbooks were never designed to be cooked cover to cover like right. I do because I'm, I've, I've sort of deemed myself um, a completionist, which is I love completing things. Whatever that thing is, I just have lots of joy about completing. So anyway, um, so people do give me a lot of cookbooks. And then, of course, I feel pressure to be like, they're all following on, you know, and they're like, I didn't see it on, on, on your Instagram. And, you know, and then I'm worrying that they feel bad. And I'm like, I am often using the cookbook, but not in a way that I'm going to make it like the featured cookbook that I'm going to make every recipe in it, you know? So, um, so yeah, that is definitely, but I would actually say that even more than people buying me cookbooks, I will say that I feel like so many people come to me for cookbook recommendations And I feel like I've sort of become like the Pandora of cookbooks because I'm like, well, I can't recommend a cookbook without asking you like 15 questions about what you like to eat, how you like to cook, you know, how adventurous are you with different ingredients? Do you like to cook ahead? Do you like to cook the last minute? You know, and so and then I feel like I've gotten pretty darn good at matching people to the cookbook, kind of the right cookbook for them. So and all of that matters. And when I as I'm talking to you, I'm writing a cookbook. I'm, I know I've heard about that. That's so exciting. It's due, um, by December 31st. So I'm really in the home stretch here. And I often think about like, what would it, what is it going to feel like for someone who I don't know to like cook these recipes? Cause my recipes aren't hard. They're more inclined to be like on the tasty family, everyone can do it side of things. Mm -hmm. But it's also like kind of feels personal. And I have like a huge imposter syndrome going of like, oh my God, are these going to be like worthy? And also like I've discovered, and this maybe doesn't sound super glamorous, but you know, like for instance, I'm thinking about making a Hasselbacked potato gratin for um, Christmas Eve. Yum. Well, you know, I've made a million potato gratins, sweet potato, la la, anchovies, no anchovies. Like there's a million ways you can do this. And when you actually start looking for a specific recipe, you realize there's a thousand of them and everyone has their own spin. And really no recipe is kind of like your own for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah. And that feels weird too, because like, Sometimes I'm like, oh, am I just putting this stuff into the universe that's already in the universe? And I'm just saying it's mine. Like you, I just, I have all this imposter syndrome going 
But then I look at a cookbook and I'm like, okay, essentially they're kind of all the same too. There's definitely a formula. And and the more cookbooks you do, you're like, okay, here's the roasted tomato basil biscuits in every cookbook. Yep. Um, I have it. Just so you know. There's always a tomato soup and there's often a pot pie and there's often, you know, like. I got a pot pie too. (laughs) And that's great. And like, you kind of get a rhythm. Something that, um, something I talk about a lot is that again, I mean, even in the name of my, you know, for the love of cookbooks is this idea of, I consume cookbooks like you would a romance novel. And I write that in my thing that I read, I think of them as a story. Like the whole book is telling a story. Whereas so many people, most people, most normal people um, use books, use cookbooks as a reference book, right? So they kind of like look to the table of contents, they turn to the page they want. They may or may not read the little paragraph. I love the paragraph that the author writes. I like really, really read it and appreciate it. And I do feel like the, there's like a story arc to a cookbook and kind of what they're trying to do. And you only discover it if you cook almost the whole thing or if the whole thing. And, but on that note is that just like a book, if you were to pick up a novel, it's not like every single page has your jaw dropping. It's not like every chapter is the climax, right? And so a lot of the book is just getting to know the characters, filling it in, kind of reeling you in. And then there's moments that are like real big moments. And that is just like a cookbook in my mind. So I'm fine with the tomato soup. It's like not every night can be you know, the star curry that I just fall in love with in this one cookbook that I go to over and over and over. There's in the current cookbook I have, there was, and it like shocked me because it didn't look like it was going to be anything special. I still think about it. There was a salmon recipe that I'm like, this one I'll never forget, you know? And so what's it, and that's fun. And then there's lots that just are a meal. And that was like last night I made enchiladas. They were good. And it was a meal. And it was a meal and yeah. everyone was fed and it tasted like enchiladas, you know, and they, and they tasted fine, but I wouldn't even want every meal to be an over the top experience. It's like too much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like sometimes you just want to eat food. And so, and I think that's kind of why I'm not Julie and Julia, right. Is that not every meal is three sticks of butter and all of these fancy spices, right. like, you know, most of them are, are just kind of pretty normal, it, but on your imposter syndrome, I actually have a friend who's writing a cookbook. So when I first started for the love of cookbooks, I just did the story and then posted the picture, but people started saying, well, how was it? How was the recipe? You know? So then I started featuring a rating system. So at the end of each recipe, I give it a score one through 10. Okay. It's not exactly scientifically based. It's just one through 10. And, um, it's interesting because the person who is, has this new cookbook is like, I don't know if I could, I, I would be so nervous with every recipe of like, what did it get? Did it get a 10? And I'm like, well, not, they can't all get 10, right? you know? And so like, if they all got 10, no one would even care to look or to see, you know? And so I've actually only given like maybe five or six tens. I give a lot of nines, but 10 has got to just be right. absolutely over the top. So Anyway, to your point about imposter syndrome, on on a side note, this is obviously not maybe obviously, this is not my full-time job. This is absolutely a hobby. My full-time job is I work with women-owned businesses and their owners. Um, That's why I work with Allie um, about, you know, 
how it really can be so lonely at the top as a business owner. I owned my own business for about a decade and I help help women feel less lonely. And it is so common. I mean, I don't think a day has gone by without someone having imposter syndrome about something. And so, um, and I often just say, and I will say to you kind of like, what's it going to take for you to believe that you're a cookbook author? And usually people can't totally answer it because they're sort of like, well, I, I, I guess I am. And I'm like, exactly. And so when you kind of stop to think, what's it going to take for me to believe it? Um, and as soon as you get to the point that you can't answer it, then you're there. Yeah, so. I think maybe I, I saw a cover so I feel like, okay, I'm making some progress. Maybe when I hold it in my hand, I don't know. Yeah. I do know the the way I wanted the cookbook to feel was I wanted it to feel like my friends feel when they're in my space at my cabin, that oh, they love, love that. to come there, that they look forward to what I'm going to cook and that it's fun. And it's it, so that I think is coming across definitely in like the storytelling of it. So I'm excited about that piece of it. And I think that is what, if, if I'm anything, I'm usually someone that people kind of think is funny and sort of enjoy hanging around. So that I feel like I'm accomplishing in the book. So people that don't know me will maybe get a sense of what it feels like to be in my orbit and to be friends and you know, that's really all you can do, right? Is just leave yeah. your mark as a decent human and a good friend. And maybe I'll get more sophisticated as the books go on. I just, yeah. I wanted a book that somebody, my sister's not a great cook. I wanted something that she could cook. I wanted something that my daughter would have that she'd be like, wow, this is all the stuff my mom cooked at the cabin growing up. So yes. there's a little bit of nostalgia too, but yeah, that's interesting. That. You seem like I you are- that you seem like you have a real um, wisdom about you, almost like you're a coach or something like that. I can Thank sense you. that about you. You're very self-aware. Thank you. That's actually like the absolute utmost comment compliment. I'm sorry that I can get, I always tell people I can work with absolutely any type of leader, however they want to lead any kind of friend. But the one thing I really can't deal with is when people are not self-aware. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, as long as they know about their own, you know, shortcomings and flaws and all of those things, I can deal with anything. And so thank you for saying that because it's something I really hold up high. So. All right. So two questions and then I'm going to let you go. Okay. Number one, what was in the salmon that you just made? Like, why was the recipe? Oh my gosh, I have to, I, I can look. So first of all, I should say the cookbook was the defined dish, which I am really liking. I'm re, I'm doing it right now. Um, and the salmon was pretty much like covered in pesto Yum. and then, and so I've done that before, but then it was sprinkled with panko on top and it was like amazing. Okay. Truly. I, like I said, I, I, at, when I saw it, I would not have thought this is going to be the winner, but it absolutely blew my mind. <laughs> and the so. funny thing about that recipe is too, is like Ina Garten has one just like it. You oh, know, exactly. Again, there's nothing real special, but there's something about this. And again, the other thing about salmon is it could have just been an excellent piece of salmon that we got yeah. or something like that. But there was something about this meal. It was lemony and it was just Yum. amazing. So do you know what the next book is that you're going to give your time? Oh, that's a great, great question. I've got a few on the docket. Um, I'm so there's one I really, really want to do, but it's very big. So I'm trying to decide, but it is the um, 
I've really been eyeing all the Otto Lange books. Yeah. And so I think I'm going to attack simple. It's great. Okay. You like that one? Okay, good. And then the other one I really want to do, but I absolutely can't. So I'm just, I hope that this doesn't um, take down your book. I'm sure it won't, but I, I cannot get involved in cookbooks that don't have photos. Yeah. <laughs> and I, everyone's been telling me salt, fat, acid, heat, salt, fat, acid, heat. That's the best cookbook, and, but it doesn't have pictures. And so I keep trying to pick it up. I have it. Um, but I just don't know if I have it in me to do an entire cookbook without photos. So have you read it? No, I, I like, I, not really. I just kind of leaf through it and it's not like compelling me. Like, again, like other books where sometimes you just look at it and you're like, Nothing is compelling me to open this, but tell here's me about what it. I'll, here's what I'll tell you about that book is it's a good read. Like I read cookbooks, like I read books, just like you. Yeah. So it's a real good read and it is a nice companion to her Netflix series. Okay. But I, I can, like, I don't think I've cooked out of it, but it doesn't compel me to like cook all the stuff either. It's a lot more like about technique. Yeah. And some of those books are great to read, but maybe not as fun to cook out of. Yeah. So maybe I'll, that makes total um, sense. maybe I'll alleviate any anxiety about that one. Okay. That I'm not maybe missing too much. The other um, thing, first of all, I would love to check out your cookbook. I'm going to need to get myself a hand it comes out on, next summer. on that one. So in the summer, so by then I'll maybe be done with this next one, which is per an earlier comment, I'm a huge half-baked harvest fan and her next book comes out in February. And I am like, and it's just, I think it's called maybe everyday meals or something like that. So it feels like it might work as well. And I just think I maybe in the several hundred recipes I've made of hers, I've maybe made two bad ones. So she's very reliable, which I I feel about Ina Garten. Oh yeah. Yes. She is. I mean, she's classic. She's like the queen. I mean, the way that she cooks feels like the way I want to eat usually. Yeah. It's, it's prepared, but it's not like overly prepared, but the auto Lange books are challenging. Yeah. Um, Even the simple book is a little challenging because sometimes it's funky ingredients, but the way that the dishes come together are really always delightful. And you're like, wow, I didn't know this was going to be like this. It's so much better than I thought it was going to be is usually my thoughts. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's fun. Well, this has been a blast. I will make sure yeah. to get you a cookbook when the time comes. I yes. Think please it's after do. it's being released after Labor Day in the fall. So, oh, oh. so I've got, I could get book. like five cookbooks done in between. Yes, I'll only take it if you promise that if I finish it, you'll sign it. Yes, I will. I okay. Will. <laughs> you know, even if you just read the stories and you laugh, that'll be fun too. I will definitely do that. Well, thank you for your time today. Have a happy holidays. I'll make sure to get this uh, posted and put your Instagram handle so that people can follow you. It's been a blast, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to meet you. Maybe we'll meet in real life sometime. I hope. That would be awesome. Go out with Allie. Yeah. Let's do it. My God. Maybe I'll have you over. We'll cook. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye, Stephanie.